everybody, here we are again. It's Theology on Mission podcast time. That's right. Grabbed Mike Moore out of the big board meetings at Northern Seminary. Really important guy. Yeah, you, you, you need a doctor's note to get out of the uh, board meetings. And well, you're my, I, I'm you're my a doctor. doctor. There you go. So are you. You're a doctor. So who's, who wrote whose notes uh, to get out of the meetings? This is a great, actually, this is a great idea. I have this, uh, I have this joke I've been trying out on my brother. My brother's a doctor. He's a physical therapist. You know, he went to, went to school. And I talk to him sometimes and I say, hey, I know you're a doctor, but I'm the kind of doctor that can help you. <laughs> I just I have Stanley Hauerwas's voice ringing in my ears something like you know if you go to medical school you have authority if you go to seminary well <laughs> evidently not <laughs> and so what what we have is we have we give all authority to people who can cure your body in a temporary way but no authority for those who can speak into your eternity yes the medical gaze yeah that's there another, you that's go, the medical. folks, ladies and gentlemen. Here we are. We went off the deep end on that. You know, my son. You know, I have a teenager who now is spending his first year in college, mm-hmm. and whenever things get really boring, like actually the first two sentences that come out of my mouth, he leans over, <laughs> closes his eye, and starts snoring. <laughs> okay, and and we it's just very effective. <laughs> we don't. We don't want that. What are we going to call that? The max effect. We don't want that <laughs> to happen in this podcast. So, uh, yeah, that's right. Here we are, the Theology on Mission. I hope you edit this halfway decently, Mike. Yeah. Here we are, Theology on Mission podcast, folks. It's it's uh, episode two, season nine. Right. And uh, we're trying to do this regularly in se- in, in eight uh, sections of episodes mm-hmm. per season. Mm-hmm. And actually, we're going to have two sections. So, anyways, who else we got coming forward here in the next? Well, we we were supposed to have a podcast yesterday, but you and I both forgot. No, so I actually had it for next week. Oh, okay. Well, next week we're going to be having Amy Peeler on the podcast. Unstrauser is going to be coming on. Ooh. Jared Boyd. Wow. Our very own Ingrid Farrow. Fabulous. Uh, Alan Noble. Oh wow! I was texting with I'm Jr. Jr. Woodward. Oh, Last he's going to come on? Mm-hmm. January. Okay. Yep. Well, folks, we've got a great lineup of guests that are all speaking into the issues of theology and culture where yes. we, the gospel, engages the issues of culture for Christ and his kingdom. Yes. But for today, I want to talk about the subject of it's not your job to save the world. Hear me out, folks. If you're listening, can you repeat after me? It's not your job to save the world. This is all prompted by reading a Yazoo Finance article about Jeff Bezos gifting Van Jones $100 million. And Bezos basically saying, you're the greatest guy in the world. I really appreciate the way you inhabit the world for justice. And so I'm going to give you $100 million to do whatever you want to do. Here I'm quoting Bezos. We need people who argue hard and act hard for what they believe, but they do so always with civility and never ad hominem attacks. We need unifiers, not vilifiers. And so Van Jones gets $100 million. By the way, I consider myself a unifier, not a vilifier. <laughs> if you're listening, Jeff Bezos. Uh, <laughs> but, but you like but, the ad hominem. 
attacks. Oh, <laughs> I'm kidding. oh I'm kidding. boy. Uh, that was that was an ad hominem attack. What I just did on me. You did an yeah. ad hominem on me using ad hominem. That's right. Okay, that's the first. But Van Jones said, and and here's what here's what caught me. Uh huh. Because he 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 received the hundred million and said something like, sometimes dreams do come true. But since he got the hundred million, and this was like over a year ago, he says, "quote I realized I was going to put myself." in an early grave because you have insurmountable opportunities. Hmm. You also could have insurmountable obstacles. You could have insurmountable opportunities. The doors just keep opening and opening and opening. And then, and then it brings the haters and a lot of criticism and the pressure mounted. And, and so, excuse me, <coughs> Van Jones said something like, I'm going to put myself in an early grave with this stress. Yeah. And this all brings home to me the fact, like, if there's one person that should be able to change the world or save the world uh-huh. with unlimited powers and abilities, it should be Van Jones with his platform and $100 million. Or Jeff Bezos with his platform and I don't know how much money he has. Yeah, but it, Bezos ain't no Van Jones. All right, <laughs> so I'm talking, you got to have some moral a moral compass. You got to have a moral breadth to you mm-hmm. in terms of who you are and what you're trying to accomplish. Having said all that, I want to speak to this issue. I've seen it a hundred times. Pastor, a pastor starts a church, a pastor plants a church, a pastor takes on a new role in a church, and, and you know, you, you come with all these pressures. I'm going to save the world. Now, I'm not just talking about cavalier excess dreams and visions of how what kind of pastor I'm going to be. There's people that want to make, I mean, we all want to make an impact in the world. Um, we all want to use our voice and our presence for justice. But there's this thing, this pressure, it's that we're going to do this, and it's up to us, and it's a heavy load to bear, hmm. even if you do have a 100 million dollars so so let me just go off a little bit on the behaviors i typically see okay when this happens in pastors and i want to ask you if i'm if i'm describing it with any kind of accuracy these are pastors with a vision to save pastors who have a save the world complex save the world complex commonly known as s t WC. Well, it, took me, it took me way too long. STWC. Okay. STWC. Yeah. Um, okay, so think what happens uh, to uh, a lot of us, especially, can I say, us justice activists. Yeah. Justice-oriented people in the yes. world. Certain behaviors start to creep in. Mm-hmm. Working endless hours yep. to get something started to recruit people to the cause. Running around, speaking, platforming, organizing, working very hard to get people to do what you think they should be doing. Yes, and everybody's looking around and wondering, why are we doing this again? It's just not a very effective way to draw people into a cause. But yeah, coercion starts taking shape, plus you're getting, you know, you're all the while you're carrying the stress 
of keeping up one's duties at one's job or being a pastor of a people or for that matter, if you're married and have children, being a father or a mother to the family, finances usually get strained Mm -hmm. because you're probably not making a lot of money, yet you're flying around and doing all this stuff. There's often guilt associated because the pastor's calling others to a behavior and a presence and a cause that they themselves cannot maintain because of all the busyness. And of course, there are the disappointments that hit, you know, oh, this thing failed against. It's, it's kind of like that feeling on a Sunday morning when you're planting a church and like 10 people <laughs> show up on a Sunday morning and you have spent the last oh, six yeah. months trying to gather a hundred at minimum oh. and it hits hard. Mm. And you sometimes, and then you get criticisms mm-hmm. and you go into self-protection mode. You, you, you take it personally. Yeah, you tend to isolate then. And then, and then you start struggling with sleep and you start becoming mm-hmm. an angry person that yep. things are not going yeah, the way stressed. you feel God has called. And you get angry at people who are not doing what that you told them to do. <laughs> and Anxiety, depression. Yep. And, and the mental, emotional, and physical fatigue creates this perfect storm. And it hits, man. And it's the perfect cocktail for a for a for not sleeping for a mass burnout of massive proportions. Hmm. Have I described? I think you described it well. You just gave me flashbacks um, to moments in my past. I call it the burden of saving the world, or the BSTW. Similar <laughs> <laughs> to ST. WC. <laughs> the Save the World Complex. Also known as burning the burden of saving the world. <laughs> so yeah, all the therapy in the world can't cure you from the burden of saving the world. The B-T-S-W. Nope. And, and so pastors usually quit. Yeah, the Great Resignation. And and then then we go into some real lengthy months of depression over the lost dreams, the demise of the dream. You probably set your whole calling and self identity around this, and and the hurt, oh the hurt, and the people who've been hurt in the wake of your hurt. Mm-hmm. No matter what level that you are living in this reality, there's just no getting out of this until you're able to grasp that it's just not your job to save the world. It's mm-hmm. not your job to save your church. Yeah, or to even save your block or save your it's neighbors. It's not your job to save your block. It's not your job to save the world. And and right now, people are hearing Fitch, pastors, many of them. It's not your job to save your church. And they're saying, well, he doesn't get paid by his church. I have, though, in the past. Mm-hmm. He, his whole life doesn't depend on his church succeeding. Uh, it did at one time. And, once, and I want to talk about how important it is to give this up. To give up what? To give up the burden of saving your church. Yeah. 
I know people have written about this. I know there's plenty of books out there, mm-hmm. but we're now talking about it. And you and I have both been in these situations, dude. Yeah. The burden of saving your church. Especially when, <clears throat> excuse me, especially when there's economics tied to it. That's a, that's another level, or that's another weight. Oh, on finances? The oh, man. Here's, here's another word. Mm. Don't ever let your finances be totally 100% dependent on a church. You and I can say that really easily right now, but there's a lot of people listening to this podcast that are like, well, I'm right. in that I'm in that boat right Here, now. Here's here's my recommendation. By the way, we're veering off on mm-hmm. the well-ordered, well uh my notes for this Your podcast. Your script was perfect, yeah. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> but here's my advice to all those people whose finances Hear me mm-hmm. on this. I think this is okay. of the Lord. Okay. This is a prophetic word. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily for you because you already have another job. Yeah. Okay. But for every pastor out there who who his finances are completely, totally dependent on his church, I got, I got a word of advice. Mm-hmm. Become a plumber. <laughs> <laughs> Become a local apprentice plumber. Okay. A lot of it's good, but a lot of it I think is untethered from reality by the way <laughs> mike moore's job is to disagree with me i don't know if you uh, yeah, i don't do a great job people go out have picked that up all right <laughs> so anyways i want to suggest a few things that are important okay if if because because really van jones jeff bezos hundred million dollars and his his words his where's where, where where, the words this is a dream come true no 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 okay the words Darn it. I got it right here. Hang on. I Take your time. I Take your gonna, time. Here, here it is. I realized I was going to put myself in an early grave. Yeah. Okay. Those. That's a metaphor. That if, if well, everybody out there, pastor, social activist, leader, church participant, and social justice in the neighborhoods, which we highly love, mm-hmm. if you don't, give up the burden to save the world even if you get everything you want these are the words you're going to be saying i'm putting myself in an early grave this is going to kill me yeah yeah van jones that's the metaphor if we're going to get out of that okay there's three things i'd like to hear what you have to say let's about hear them few things here to learn as a leader as a pastor as a christian as a worker in the kingdom of god first Okay, this is redundant, but I want to fill it out. Mm-hmm. It's not your job to save the world. It's not your job to heal people. God has already saved the world, already conquered sin, death, and evil. He is already in process of bringing the world to himself. He is active in the world amidst the evil. He's active in the midst of injustice. And so you have to deal with your agency. You have to shift your agency. You have to shift it from going, I'm the one in charge here getting things done, to I'm a participant in what God is doing and making space for him and cooperating. Like, like mm-hmm. here's how that changes everything. Yeah. I, I could, I could give you 152 examples right now. Okay. But when I'm sitting across from someone and, and I'm trying to pitch them on becoming part of our, our leadership for racial justice in the neighborhood of Westmont, 
I'm going to sit there with a cup of coffee, nor probably a McDonald's, and I'm going to be sit, it's probably going to be in a McDonald's, but mm-hmm. that's the side point. And I'm going to say, I'm going to talk, and I'm not going to try to convince. I'm not going to try to coerce. I am just going to say, dude, or dude S, I believe God's work in Westmont. I believe he's called our church to work for racial justice. Mm-hmm. I saw this situation about six months ago, up my street, two blocks away, two young black men, five police cars stopped, frisking. And I went over and I saw, I saw the looks on the people's faces, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I believe we need better relations here, different relations, even repentant relations between the police, mm-hmm. between the minority, the persons of color in our neighborhood, and the various other people who are, who are perpetrating racism and we'd like to form a task force to do these three things. Yeah. What do you think? What do you hear? Well, what do you see when it comes to racism in our town? Has the Holy hmm. Spirit been convicting you of this? Okay, and then back off. It's not your job <laughs> to convince. It's just your yeah. job to be a participant and see what you're saying and invite the Holy Spirit to work in this conversation around this table. Mm-hmm. Now, I know plenty of people that are going to try to convince hook or crook by crook, and they're going to get people to join, but they're going to get them to join maybe reluctantly for other reasons, and they aren't seeing what the Holy Spirit's right, doing. Yeah. Got to let God do the work, right. not you. Right. Yeah. A, a sign for me that I'm relying on my own agency more than God's agency is whenever somebody leaves my church, my church, leaves the church I'm pastoring. And when I experience a lot of anger, anxiety, maybe even depression about them leaving, I think it's okay to be sad when somebody leaves, but have you ever had somebody leave your church and you're like, oh, like, you know, either they were tithing or they had kids or they were really invested and they gave a lot of their time. A lot of money. Money. They let led something and you see them leave and you're like, ah, oh, but they're like, yeah. like an all-star here. Yeah, that's normally a sign that I've invested in my own agency and what what I can do. It's what, hard, but there there it is hard when people happens, leave. There's an opportunity. Yes, yeah. We I mean we we should grieve it, but also there's an opportunity there to trust and to got, discern what God's I got doing. A lot of good stories about people leaving people leaving church with. The richest person in the church yep. gives such and such amount of the budget. Oh, I, I had that happen, yeah. And I'm going, what's going to happen? We just pray, and our right. budget, our budget actually, over the next six months, exceeds before. Yeah, the budget that was before the guy left. I've had guys, people leave. You don't have a youth group like we need, and I ha- and sure, and I've had more youth show up. Yeah, or sometimes you don't have more youth show up. But the Lord is still doing something among the youth that are there in yes. a way that God couldn't do otherwise. Yes. I'm, I, I guess I was being a little flamboyant in my examples. I know. But those two <laughs> examples are really telling examples yes. in my life that when people leave, I'm, we're going to do a podcast on the great shifting that happens, sifting, not shifting, sifting that uh-huh. happens among churches as you call them into the kingdom yeah. and how, how you got to be careful not to sift out of your own particular dreams, but actually allow the kingdom of mm-hmm. God and his agency to, sh- 
to shape a congregation to his kingdom. Yeah. And that will be a sifting that will go on. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Some some pastors have agendas that are not the kingdom or that are a side a sidebar to the kingdom that became the center bar to the kingdom, which always de- doesn't go well. Yeah, no, no. It, well, it, it becomes a platform, and then when they fail, it crumbles. So. And, and we have this, the Van Morrison experience all over again. Oh, Van... <laughs> You said Van Did Mor- I say Van Morrison? Sorry. I was like, wait, what? Van, Van Morrison. <laughs> I mean, we should play some Van Morrison music here. <laughs> uh, that'd be great. I'm a fan. Dude, I'm in my 60s, and Van Morrison was a big deal growing up yeah. as a teenager. Yeah. Okay, let's go for the second suggestion. Cultivate a presence-based church. First one has to do with get shift your agency from you to God. Hmm. It's not you. That is going to save the world. Second point is cultivate a presence-based church. Shape a church to be present to God's presence in the neighborhoods and w- that we live in, that we minister in. And, and, and part and parcel of cultivating a presence-based church is to recognize, teach, lead, cultivate, people's understanding, perception, experience of the living presence of God, and, and that he works not only in our inner souls, but among us, in our churches, and around us in our neighborhoods. You gotta teach people how to make space for God's presence if you're going to be a presence-based church. And and that and so so when I'm at that meeting at McDonald's talking about the committee for social justice in Westmont, I, I need to know how to cultivate and discern and recognize and submit to the presence of God at that table. When I'm in the ordinance committee, and I'm an architect, and we're just, we're we're working on various ordinances that appear to be racially motivated, I've got to detend the Holy Spirit. Ask what he wants me to say it and how to say it. Who to invite out for a cup of coffee who's, who's objecting to this particular restaurant or this particular mm-hmm. code to be changed, etc. Right, right. This, cult, this, is, this all relies on a people who can know and cultivate his presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't have anything to add to that one. Really? Mm-hmm. I got you speechless. I, I underlined a couple things. But yeah, that's about it. Oh, oh, oh. So that means <laughs> when you say, I don't have anything to add to that, you basically agreed with everything I just said. Yes. Also known as amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so be I got it. one more thing here. The okay. third thing. Okay. These are three suggestions for how someone can move out of the it's your job to save the world complex, mm. otherwise known as the I N Y J S T W C. The third one is practice patience, teach patience, because God works subtly amongst the injustices of the world. If we're there, often He's working beneath the surface, and often the results are not immediate. Mm-hmm. So we got to practice patience, that this is not going to be an overnight solution, a program at your local church to solve people's problems. This is God at work. But when something does happen, when a great event happens, when we see police 
persons of color and neighborhood organizers together around a table talking about change they see not only in the neighborhood but in their lives. We got to celebrate it. We got to get together at a bar and have some ginger ale and toast to what God is doing in the neighborhood. Celebrate Mm -hmm. what God is doing because, and then slowly something will erupt. You just can't predict it. Yeah. In the neighborhood. And when it does erupt, you're able to identify, oh, that's a work of God. That was something that God did. A lot of people say social justice can never happen this way. I always point out, you know, I I read, this is a long time ago now, but I read Charles Marsh, the- Beloved community. The Virginia historian. Yeah. uh, Beloved community. Mm -hmm. And I read the whole story of the SNCC communities and the three lunch counter fellowships of three people at at Woolworth Mm -hmm. and how they grew to 51 and overnight disrupted the Jim Crow yeah. South. Yeah. So, and, and, and it all started with uh, Ella Baker. And, and it started probably before that too. It was formation that had been done in, in it their started lives way and in their that. churches. You know, That's the point extending. of that book, by yeah. the way. It started Ella Baker and, and John Lewis and other organizers were in prayer meetings, basically, right. with white people. That's right. Right. And, and, and so, folks, can we be those kind of community activists that, that, that relieve ourselves of the burden to save the world and instead make space for God to do it? Can we do it? Hmm. Can we be these kind of people? I said something on, I don't know if I said it on Facebook this week. By the way, you can follow me on FitChest Facebook. Follow me. Uh, don't make me a friend because there, is, there are no friend spaces there, but that doesn't matter. Uh, following is better anyways, but you don't get all the crap. But anyways, <laughs> now I forgot what I was saying. Uh, oh, yeah, I was going to say something about how uh, uh, we don't need more social activists. We don't need... Social activists, lawyers, mm-hmm. legislators, politicians don't save the world. They basically preserve the world. They yeah. make minor changes to systems. Mod- to, modifications. To keep the world going. Mm-hmm. So, But do they save the world? No, that's the job of the church and social activists, social organizers for the kingdom. Yeah. And so that's what, by the way, at the end of Faithful Presence, that book, that's what I... That's what I called pastors, social right. organizers for right. the kingdom. Hmm. Can we be, can we give up <clears throat> the burden of saving the world and become social activists for the kingdom? That'll preach. Yes, giving up control and letting God work in and through us. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that just about wraps us up at Theology on Mission podcast. Before we go, Mike Moore, have you got any interesting tidbits about what's going on at Northern Seminary that people need to know? No interesting tidbits yet. Well, we haven't announced our lecture for next year yet. Yeah, we have, haven't we? Oh, did we? Okay. Oh, maybe not here. Maybe I can't. Jonathan Tran's doing the lectures, folks, in June. Theology on Mission lectures. We're really looking forward to that. Yes. And, uh, you know, some of his writing is quite dense, but when he gets out in front and starts talking about it in Q&A, it fleshes it out. So if you've read Jonathan Tran's work, please join us in June. Do you know the actual date? It's We've got the date. Uh, I just don't yeah, it's the Thursday and Friday. Is that the 8th and the 9th? June 2024. Also, if you're not familiar with John, we interviewed him on the podcast about a year and a half ago. Yeah. And he's, got, he's on plenty of podcasts, so you can find out more about yeah. John Tran just by doing that thing called Google. They don't call it Google anymore, do they? I think they do. That's just about wraps it up. We hope uh, you got inspired to be uh, pastors for the kingdom. 
And if you want to give us a review on any of the popular platforms Theology on Mission podcast is, please do. We need all the help Mm -hmm. we can get. And so until our next podcast, which will be next week, it's over and out. Mike Moore and Dave Finch.